0: I want to just share something important got into my message this morning. And, and I don't know who it's for, um, but I just believe that God just wants to lay some of in my heart. And um, it's the story of Lot. Um, and we all know that uh, Abraham and like, Lot, brother in law, uh, left their farm, and their, their home, and they, they, they planted new land and came to a place where what happened was that Lot and Abraham were meant to separate Lot like, to like a certain Part of the land, they took a certain part of the land. But there was an interesting piece that says that, that lot, lot pushed his tent facing Sodom and Gomorrah. He faced, pushed his tent facing Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and what happened was that after a, lot, after a while as we would read the word, we find that not only did he pitch his tent, but the next few verses we find him sitting at the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. And before we know it, we find him as part of what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that, you know, God warned him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he turned around and said, God, him might and find 50 righteous people, would you save it, And God said, if you save 50, and he couldn't find it, And he said, Lord, up might save one righteous person, you know, I'll save the town. But, but what I want to get to you is be careful what you put your tent to walks in the season. Because there's many that are pushing that tend towards something that we think is really good. But we haven't found God's heart for it. We haven't seen God say, God, what is it that it looks like? And some of us are making really bad choices right now because we're not focused on what God is doing in and the blessings that God has upon our lives. Like God should have. God should have enjoyed the, moment, should have enjoyed the land that God had given him. But instead he learned to face a place that was up to destruction. And so, just be very wary how and where you position yourself in the season. If that's for anybody, you know, just receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to. I want to. Um, in, uh, in that moment, morning, warned the all is not always wrong. And uh, you know, we go through seasons in our lives where we feel that big change has to happen in our lives. Now, I think the older we get, we also bring about some changes in our lives. And, you know, when we're 24, when we're thinking about marriage, all of a sudden, things change. And then, you know, babies come, things change. And then new job comes, and things change. And I I was reminded the other day, as we were just chatting about this, what I wanted to preach on, of how often I've been to farms. And every time I go to a farm, there's, there's some kind of graveyard at the farm. We know what I'm talking about. And it's it's the great 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 grandpa that originally bought you know the farm that his, his grave is there, and then the great 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 grandpa's grave is there, then the great great, great grandpa's grave is there, then the great, great grandpa's grave is there. And then after that, there's nothing. It's almost like the next generation just didn't make it, or the next generation just wasn't interested in farming, or the gym would give me billions of reasons why it ended there. But I also thought about it this week, man. and I thought we've got to be so careful how quickly we able or how quickly we'd like to end the legacy in, in our lives and what we're doing. And we're in a time in church life right now, and be very honest with you this morning, and uh, I might even have been a lot of pastors this morning, so i just bear with you this morning because i that's not my heart. But I want to warn the church in the season we're in right now to be very careful of what we do. We've got this we've got this thing called the new normal in our country. We've got churches and leaders saying, Well, you know what, we don't want to go back to church the way it was. We we want something different, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at church differently, we're gonna we're gonna make church differently, we're gonna you know, to, to do all this, this crazy stuff. And we are going to be very careful that when we sometimes we wanna move into the new and into the new world, he does something of right out of the will of God. Because he's the same God yesterday, today, forever. You see, God doesn't change who he is according to our expectations. God doesn't change who he is according to our needs. God doesn't change who he is according to what the church needs. And I was reminded of a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures um, that I've been reading for many years. And I, and I love the scripture because this is the disciples now speaking. And so you've got to understand something. They, 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 um, Peter and them have, have traveled all over the place. And they, uh, him even Paul and Barnabas, they've just seen the most amazing miracles and signs and wonders happen. And you know that they went to the Gentiles and not to the Jews. And I mean, the Gentiles have just been saved in their thousands. It was really cool. They came back. All right, and they were chatting to all the and Antioch and they were chatting about all the stuff that God was doing in the, in the sense he the nation that the Jewish people had written off and in that moment the, the Jewish people um, at the time said but now let's explain let's get something straight if they accept Christ as their Lord and Savior then we should demand that they would be circumcised like us Jews, So what they wanted to do, they wanted to force a tradition on a people that weren't ready for that kind of tradition. And so they have this big debate and they have this, not an argument, but all of Barnabas and um, uh, Paul start to check to them. And I want to read from verse 12, and then I want to go back to the Old Testament to see what, what God is saying to us. But verse 12 says, And the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling uh, telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done amongst the Gentiles through them. And when they had finished, James spoke, Our brother listened to me, Simon, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. And the word of the prophets are in agreement with this. And it is written, and he prophesies and he, um, and he says that after this I will return and rebuild the fallen tent or the tabernacle of David. His rules I will rebuild and I will restore it. And the remnant of my people may seek the Lord and all Gentiles who bear my name says the Lord, who does these things that I've been uh, known for ages. So he speaks about, this, he said, there's coming a time where even Jesus prophesied, he says, that I'm going to restore the tabernacle of David, the tent of David. And what the tent of the tabernacle of David offer for me is, is the area is the, is the and the tabernacle of worship. high important worship is. And I'm speaking about our music. I'm speaking about our worship to God. I want you to turn me to 2 Samuel. And I'm going to just pick up and I'm going to just share a few thoughts here with you. And it's an old story. But it's a story of David. And in this season, David, we all know that David fell by the wayside for a little season. And what happened was that they were actually defeated by the Philistines. And what had happened was that the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, alright, this, this box with the two cherubims on either side, and the presence of God was going to be upon this box. This box was stolen by the Philistines. And so David rallies up this massive army and cries out to God, you can walk over for you. But he gets his massive army ready, listens to God carefully, and God says, well, I don't want you to attack the Philistines this way, I want you to go around this way and, and there by the trees, I want you to go left, in a sense. And David follows God's instructions. And the Word of God says that David's army absolutely destroys from the towns right to the, almost the end of, of, of the boundary limits of the area, that there was nothing And in that process, David discovers the Ark of the Covenant again. The very presence, awaited presence of God. And the Word says that David goes back, and I love this part, David goes back, and he goes back to his hometown and he rallies, and the Word of God says 30,000 men. Just as adequate as what they were that went to war. Now listen to me carefully. Listen to me very carefully. Because David saw the importance of war as important as the presence of God. He didn't take 30 men with him to go fix of the Covenant. The Word of God says that he took 30,000 men equal to the men that went to battle the first time to defeat the Philistines just to go fetch the presence of God. And I love that. So it's great to go to war in numbers, but when we come to worship, that seems to fall by the wayside. It's great to say that we're in a nation right now that 85% of us believe in God and the Bible, but when you call a prayer, we five people on God. It is great to say that we've got 1,100 churches in PE, but not one of them are full. And, and we've got to understand this, that whenever we need you know it's great to rally an army around us when we need prayer, or our finances are falling to pieces, or our marriage is falling to pieces, or relationship are falling to pieces. It's great to rally people around us. But how often do we gather the best of the best to worship Him as well, to come into His presence? And David is so excited, and, and I want you to go read it. I'll pick it up now, now. But David is so excited, and he rallies his thirty thousand men and they so back into the, into the Philistine land and they go get the Ark of the Covenant and David does the stupid thing in his excitement, what he does the word of God says that he places the Ark of the Covenant on a new card now let me read that for you quickly and I'm going to read chapter 6 and you're going to just catch up with me and David again brought uh, uh, sorry David again brought together out of his own chosen men 30,000 in all And he and all his men set out for Gula of Judea to bring about the Ark of God, which was called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubims that are the Ark. They set the Ark on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abdad, who was on the hills. And Uzzah and Aiah, sons of Abdad, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of the God on it. And Ai was walking in front of it, and David and the whole. Of Israel was celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with songs of a part, with lures, with, with tambourines and cymbals. So, <clears throat> so you better to get this. You've you got to see what's happening. This is the most, one of the most biggest celebrations of the Bible. David has, has almost vindicated himself. The presence of God again is with him. You know, God has given you direction. He's heard God. He's brought 30,000 of then. He's got the ark of the covenant. He's found that gate. And the word of God says he makes a simple mistake in all of his celebrations that he goes and he puts it on a new cart. And what happened was and carries on verse 6 says, and then they came to the fishing floor of Nacon. Uzziah reached out and took a hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled and the Lord's anger burnt against Uzziah because of the irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down and he died there at the side of the ark. And David was angry because the Lord's rod had broken out against himself And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. And David was afraid of the Lord that David said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside and put it to the house of Oba Eden, the Gitite. So David had this horrible moment, almost in the sense where he said to God, But I'm doing the right thing here. I'm doing exactly what it is that you expect of me. And how many of you are sitting here this morning and you felt, God, why aren't you blessing me? Why isn't my family coming together? Why isn't the work situation changing? Why isn't my heart changing? Why isn't my finances changing? Because God, I'm doing everything right. Four of us. Six. <laughs> Praising heaven. And I deny. And we do, we question it because we pray for our kids and then something goes wrong. And we pray for our mom and dad, and then they have a heart attack. And, and we say, God, what are we doing here? It feels like everything is falling apart around me, but I'm doing the right thing. And we find ourselves in that situation in church life right now again. Because everyone is declaring that there's a new normal. And everyone's declaring that we're going to do things differently. And everyone declaring that the social interaction is something of the past. And mingling together is something of the past. And it will take a while for the church to fill up again. For the church to, to become all that God has purposed to be. But you see, there's something that we've got to understand clearly. And it's something that David had to learn. And it was this. That there was a specific way that the, the presence of God had to be carried. So often we miss that. So often we want to do things our way, our decisions. We, we, want to, we want to go and buy new cars and then get angry with God when we're for the installment that we have. Or we just want to get married to, to Joseph, never ever spending time in the presence of God. Say, Father, what is it that you want for me? What does the future look like? How am I going to do this? And many of us need to that five times and say, God, what is it that you require of me? And how do you require of me in this season? And David is a learned guy. And David is a king and he's the greatest king in the Bible, served. But he messed up. Why? Because he didn't understand, or he must have learned, that the presence of God can only be carried on the shoulders of the Levites and the priests. Now listen to me very carefully. And I want to say this. every home leader, every life group leader and every worship leader is listening this morning. Be careful you understand how to carry the presence of God. Be careful that you know that He's the same God yesterday, today and tomorrow. That God is not changed because the world has changed. Church doesn't have to change because the world has changed. That we need to do what God has called you and I to do, and we need to do it the way that God has called us to do it. And so David comes back and he starts to realize that I've made this massive mistake. That there's only one way that the presence of God has to be carried, and it has to be carried from the priests of the Levites. And I want to say this to you. That the only way that the presence of God is going to be carried is on the shoulders of of pastors and of the faithful ministry in the church. Now listen to me carefully, because there's a responsibility on us as leaders in a church to make sure that we usher and we become carriers of the presence of God. There's a responsibility on me as a pastor to make sure that the praises that you and I are seeking and the way that we're seeking and the way that we allow the Prince of God into the building is the way that God desires it. Listen to me carefully. Because we can go get the best rock band out there to come and do worship. But they're not the priests and the Levites that need to be carrying that thing. We can go get the best motivational speakers out there. And we can preach from this stage and make awful H-A-P-P-Y every single Sunday. But that's not the way that God desires to carry His presence. There's a responsibility on the church in how we usher, how we carry the presence of God. Through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, no longer does the presence of God live in a, in a box made by man, but the presence of God now dwells in you. In you, you the awaited presence of God. The word of God said there was such a powerful presence that there was a little flame that was flicker above the mercy seat. That little flame is flickering above you. That same flame flickering above the heads of the disciples in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit of God came upon them. When God found it fit because of Jesus that you and I become carriers of His presence. But be careful how you carry you see, we can all jump into church life and do it differently now. And we can fake it till we make it. Don't you worry about it. There's not a problem. Because let me tell you something. It's not difficult to make this thing all look very pretty. I just get a half-decent worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> an example. An <laughs> I just get a good motivational speech. I just get nice media up there. I dress a little bit prettier. And we can follow church. We can follow church. But is that the way that God desires you not to carry his presence? You see, they was so angry because he said, you know, why would you do this, God? I mean these 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 two kids, they all they wanted to do was help, all they wanted to do was just. And isn't it so often that when we do stumble, that when we do and the car does stumble, that we're very quickly able to put our hand out and tell God exactly how it needs to be run. And we want to know why things fall apart. The Word of God says that David thought about this. And when he thought about this, he said, you know, there's a way that this needs to be done. And he did, and he got the priest up, and he got the poles, and he put them through the rings. And he started to carry that presence of God, that that weighty presence, that Ark of the Covenant, on the on the shoulders of the priest. And the word of God says that he walked six paces and he sacrificed. And he walked six paces and he sacrificed. And he walked six paces and he sacrificed. Do you know how many people, how mean, animals, must have been sacrificed? David became so aware of the importance of God in his life that he refused to make a mistake. He would not make one decision unless it lined up with the Word of God. Now, let me tell you something. If you're in a new season and you want to do something new, listen to me today. Don't do anything unless you spend time in the presence of God. When people get married, they often come to you. And they say, you know, Pastor Good, will you marry us? How long we be together? No, you no, know, here. You know, it's a hard thing game. No, we, we're good, you know, we're good, we're good. And then I ask a very simple question. So, you, you believe without a shadow of a doubt that this is the man or this is the woman that God has for you. You see, because the word of God says this that which God places together and no man puts on them. And how many of us sitting here today and ask God, Is this the man I need to marry? Is this the woman I need to marry? Some of us just go lucky. Some of you, some of you didn't get so lucky, <laughs> but some of us got really lucky, and we're still married. I'm speaking about Nanny now, very <laughs> <Fair enough>. lucky, <laughs> but why, because we, we, we work from a place, we work from a place of knowing that God wanted us for our lives, David carries on, and I, I mean, I'm going to be quick because we're going to run out of time, but we get to a place where David is coming into the town, man, and, and he is celebrating and he's getting mad and he's having the time of his life. Alright? And he just knows that God is about to do something incredible. And so in chapter 6, verse 16, I'll read He says, And the ark of the Lord entered the city of David. Now, this is the restoration of the tabernacle of David we spoken speaking about. He says, And the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, and Michael like and Daughter of Saul, watched from the window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now this is David's wife, and David now is acting a little bit different. You know this naughty David that did a couple of things wrong, and this mighty warrior, all of a sudden she finds him. With his band, and hops and lures, and people singing, and celebrate. You can imagine, 15,000 spectators. I mean, we know, the most walked up in there. 30,000 people coming in behind the ark of the covenant. And David's right in the front, of the word of God says, all his wearings are an airport, like an apron. And he's out there worshipping. His wife looks at him, and she actually despises him in lot. heart. And then they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of rice to each person in the whole country, both men and women. And the people went to their homes to do this. And when David returned home to bless his household, Mikal's daughter, the son of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how, how the king of Israel has disgusted himself today, just roaming in the sight of slave girls of the servant. And as any vulgar fellow would do. And David said to Mika, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than a father or anyone from your house, when appointed me as ruler over the Lord of these people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will bring become even more. And this I will humiliate, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these which you spoke of, I will be held in high God. What was David saying? David was saying to me, You missed the mark. You missed the mark because what you saw was me worshiping in front of people. And I wasn't worshiping in front of people, I was worshiping in front of my God. I love that peace. I love that peace. Because how much of what we do on the stage is worshipping in front of people and how much of what we do in this building is worshipping before our God? Listen to me. Because we can do the right thing here. We can celebrate and we can dance and we can walk out of this place unchanged. We can speak about the goodness of our God. We can speak about that there's a miracle in this room. We can sing about the fact that there's a king amongst us, seated in our presence. We can sing that, you know, the most amazing songs. But if your heart is not being changed by what you believe, and what you sing, and what you read, then you're worshipping before man. to say to all of you, well, next week we're going to worship, or next now no, we're going to worship in the sacred service so what we're going to do is we're going to stand on our chairs and worship very few would get on your chairs because you'll have excuses and many of you think, I'm not going to do that <laughs> what is going to think about me you know, I mean your wife guys, look, your wife takes down the aisle my wife loves that Take it I'm to worship in the front here and start to drag a couple of flags and start to do a couple of swirls here. Oh. I know that by the time you get to the car you can say to us, you, oh, you <laughs> Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> something not right like there? <laughs> How many of us can really say that we can worship in spirit and in truth? Yeah. If I'm in a crowd of one when the crowd of hundred thousand, my worship doesn't change. That he give is his leading worship, or I'm leading the worship on a guitar that I can't even sing on. Nothing else. Amen. We're worrying about this and about the last feeling. We're worrying about everything else. And we forget the point. And the point is simply this. That we are because He first loved us. Yes. We are the last everybody. We? We and I want to end with this this morning. Be careful how you carry the presence of God. You said, we all want to do things in a new way. And we all want to do things with media and Facebook and YouTube and all this stuff that's happening around us. Oh, because you know not want to do it. No, no, no. I think if the house of God, I believe if the church of God maybe just comes back to basics. And you know what the basics is? Is that He is holy. And that I do not want to do anything else other than that which I've seen in his presence. You see, we often can be judged by the wickedness of, of this world. You and I are often going to be judged about our worship and how we worship God. And if you're truly lovely and if you made a mistake, you know, then people are going to condemn us. And, and we've all heard that saying says, well, if that's how Christians behave, I don't want to be a Christian. And this is not a time to do something new. This is not a season to change the way we do church. And this is not the season to change the way we we do our worship. This is not the season because of a new normal. I think if we do the old good, the new will come naturally. If we get back to the word of God, if we understand what David said when he looked at his wife and he said, you know what? I never can become more undignified than this. He said, This is just the start of my worship. If you think this is bad, wait, there's more coming. You know the fact was, she said, How could you become naked in front of slave girls? You dishonored yourself. And David says, I wasn't naked before slave girls, I came broken and naked in front of my king. You see, when we come broken and naked, in front of our king, everything changes. When we, we drop all the facade, and we drop all the religious stuff, and we drop all the orders, and the programs, and the structures, and everything, and please, those things are important. No, don't get what I'm saying. Those things are important. But when the main thing becomes the main thing in our lives, Everything changes. You see, the word of God says a very simple thing. It says, seek you the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and all of your soul. And I think we need to get back to that. Back to the fact that God is not done with us as a church, and God is not done with us as a people. But I want to say this in closing, and as a warning, be careful how you carry. The presence of God. Two, one because we touch it unrightfully, it will cause you pain. And secondly, I want to say this: there's always somebody watching you that will criticize your worship, yes. criticize the way you do stuff. You know, the crazy thing about the story is this: is that 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 after David, uh, after Uzzah touches the ark of the covenant, is struck dead. The word of God says that the ark is actually put on the stoop of a guitar. Just put on the stoop. And, and I'm not sure, but it sounds like it was a period of three months or so. That the, that the ark of the covenant stood on the stoop of the family's house. And the word of God says that him, his family, and everything that he had was blessed. Just because the presence of God was on his stoop. I love that. <laughs> Sometimes we have got to do all this crazy stuff. Sometimes we just need to have the presence of God. That's it. You know, he didn't go and sacrifice. He didn't go do anything that David had to do. He just would walk past that first every single morning and look and go, wow, it's a really cool justice. This is cool. Not physically but the presence of God. And everything starts to change in his life. And the word says everything is better and his family is blessed and he's blessed and his business is blessed and everything is blessed. Why? Simply because the presence of God is standing right there. And I think we need to get that sometimes. We're so busy trying to solve everything in our lives that we forget that in his presence there is peace and there is joy and there is healing and there is salvation and there is deliverance. There's responsibility that God has given you and I and is called His presence. And there's only one way to carry His presence. On the shoulders of believers. On the shoulders of believers. You see, once the presence of God touches the shoulders of believers, you can take it wherever you go. It's not about a new path. It's not about a new way. It's not about a new season. It's not about a new day. It's about us getting the old right the first time. From God's, out of His presence, we will see our country change. Out of His presence, we will see our church change. You see, we don't have to change anything in this church except one thing, that the next time we worship, we can say what David says, my love, Worship this morning, and the why I came to church is not to please men or Pastor Kirk or the elders of this church. I'm here this morning, and I will be accountable more dignified than this because I'm here to bring honor and glory to my King. You see, when we when we, when we start our service with that mindset, yes. everything changes. You know, we want signs, wonders, and miracles to happen in our church. Of course I want to see the lame walk, I, of course I want to see the blind see, of course I want to see, hear the... I want to see the... I want to hear the death... ...year again. Yes, I want those that are almost dead to be raised back to life. I want to see all of that. But those things happen in the presence of God. Yes. You see, one thing that you could understand something, that after the covenant was with the Philistines for how long? And it brought them nothing. The minute... The ark was brought into the presence of God's people. Everything changed. And we can be Philistines this morning. We can do this for the sake of doing this. We can do this because if feel like worship, we can do this because, you know what we need? You know, God comes in my business. We do this because my family is going to church because they're already in trouble. Or we can do this because God comes first in my and relationships and business and everything else flows out of that. Yeah. I will become even more dignified than this. Because I'm doing this for my God and not for the people around me. Yeah. we get that, our lives will be changed forever. Can we stand? Yeah. Do I, can you come back? Are you? No. I know. Uh, I will give you a mic but that was here, but, uh, <laughs> and it doesn't need a mic. Just in uh, uh, adding to uh, what Pastor Good said this morning um, I read uh, Jeremiah 3, and in it says that seek the Lord with all your heart and you will find Him. So we, we need to look at our heart and see with what portion of our heart are we truly seeking the Lord. Because everything that Pastor could say is available to us. But with how much of our heart are we seeking that? Are we keeping a piece of our heart for maybe a Saturday afternoon drive with our buddies or something? Or are we all in? For the glory of the kingdom. So th- this whole thing hangs on the state of our heart and how much of our heart we put into seeking God. So I just want to challenge you today, please look at your heart and ask the Lord to, to reveal what is in your heart. Is your heart Hundred percent for Him, or are you still reserving pieces of your heart for the world or for other other things? And once is 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 revealed to you the state of your heart, this whole thing will become so much clearer to you, and you will actually begin to experience and love. This wonderful glory that God has intended and <coughs> given us for free. Thank Amen. You, God. Amen. Thank you. Father, I'm to bring every person to you this morning. Some of us have stumbled, some of us have fallen. Some of us have forgotten the importance of your presence. Some of us have forgotten what it's like to be carriers of your presence. But Father, we know that nothing happens outside of your presence, Father. For Holy Spirit, you have been given to us. You have been released upon us. You've been released on the faith of the earth to bring glory, honor, and praise to our King. And I want to pray, Holy Spirit of God, for a fresh anointing on every person this morning in Jesus' name. Roger, right where we're standing or where we're seated at home or wherever we are. I pray for that fire, that little flicker that burned the power of the mercy seat, that little flame, tongues of fire that came upon the disciples in that upper room. Oh, Jesus, by asking your name that will that fire burn in us again. Will that day come, Father, where that flickering, that, that tongues of fire will fall in your people? And as the tongues of fire, the presence of God comes upon us, may we see nations being changed around us. May we see families being changed around us. May we see loved ones being changed around us. May we see companies and businesses and government be changed around us simply because we understand the way to the presence of our King. So come this morning. And have your way in our hearts and in our lives. And and as we search our hearts this week, may we just know that there's something that we need to be carrying right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week, guys. See you next Sunday.